Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. It's great to see all of you. Um, I was going to try and get us pumped, but I don't know anything about sports, so I don't even know what's going on. So I can't even pretend to be like, didn't you watch that tennis? <laughs> squash? I don't know. Do they even f- do you squash on super sports? I really don't know. But it's good. They do. Okay. Yeah, I sh- maybe I should watch. But it's great to have you guys with us. Um, also wanted to say welcome to Steve. For those of you that don't know Stevie, he has been away for ages and we have missed him. So welcome back from America, Steve. Uh, and Duran. Duran is Going off to a wedding now, I mean, he's all over the place. <laughs> but it's good to have him back as well. Just love them, guys. They deserve it. Um, yeah. For those of you that don't know, I am Lee. Um, uh, my, my wife and I lead the worship in uh, Life Changes, both Tableview and Milnerton. We have a heart for worship. Um, it's just something that we, we feel God has called us to over the last few years. Um, also in the last probably month or so. I've also stepped on staff at Life Changes. I will be overseeing the youth and the worship. Uh, so it's an exciting new journey for us. But I first just want to share a bit of my heart um, about worship. Uh, first disclaimer is when God does stuff in me, I tend to get emotional. So for those of you that don't like people who cry, especially men that cry, well, I can't do anything about that. I'm sorry. So sometimes in worship, if you see me crying, it's not because there's dust that got in my eye. It's just God doing something. So just a disclaimer about that. But um, as I said, my wife and I are leading worship in uh, Tableview and Millington. We really have a heart for worship. Uh, my first worship experience, um, going back to kind of give you guys hopefully some encouragement to join the worship team for those of you that are thinking about it. And even for those of you that are sitting here going, but my voice sucks. Here's a little encouragement. For a while, I was playing drums in the church. Somebody came and had a word for me and said, I see you as a leader, not a follower. Obviously, I thought, you can't lead from behind the drums. It's a bit difficult. So I'll learn to play guitar and sing. Started off trying to sing, trying. Started off trying to play guitar. Uh, My sister would constantly come into my room I only knew how to play, for those of you that know, Eric Clapton's Stairways to Heaven. But just the beginning part, not the whole thing. So just the like, doo-doo-doom. That's it. <laughs> so the noise coming out of my room would constantly just be, doo-doo-doom, doo-doo-doom. So you can imagine after like 24 hours of this, you get quite annoyed. So my sister would come into my room, look at me and say, please shut up. Can't you learn something else? At least... So I carried on with singing and playing, despite my sister's remarks. Eventually, I went to the, the youth um, that we were involved with at that time. I was playing drums for them, and I said, hey, I'd love to try out. They're like, oh, we need a vocalist, a male vocalist. I was like, awesome. And I sang. And uh, the leader was like, that's cool. Um, m- maybe you should stick to drumming, rather, and singing. So I was like, okay, cool. So I persevered and I persevered, long story short, until I got to where I am now. The first time I led worship, uh, my brother-in-law actually came up and he said, 
Lee, thank you for not listening to us because despite us telling you to keep quiet and be silent because of all the things that we heard, God heard something different. And you carried on and you persevered to standing in front and leading worship in such a beautiful way. And that impacted me so much. Just even that thought of, although we hear something, God hears something different. In our worship, we could be standing here going, wow, the person next to me sounds terrible. But Lord, I'm just going to continue to worship. But God hears the sweetest sound coming from that person because it's all from the heart. The stuff we go through in the week, the things that we battle with, it's in the heart. And God's looking at that going, it's the sweetest sound I have ever heard. And the more we push into that, the more of God that we can see outworking himself in us and in this community. So that was my story of worship. Um, I started leading on guitar. First chord that I played, two strings snapped. So for the rest of the worship session, I was leading with my guitar behind the back. For those of you that have played guitar and sing, you feel very naked without your instrument. So it was very awkward, but it was great. And God's just taught me so much over the years. Um, and, and that's where our heart is for, for worship. Um, nine out of ten times we've said to most of the worship guys, um, the thing about worship for us is it's not, and, and I'll get into what I'm going to speak about, but it's not just about the music and standing on stage. We are so much more concerned about the person than we are about the gifting. Because the reality is a season might pass and that person might leave our church or not be in the worship team anymore. And if we just focus on their gifting, that just means we have left a really great guitarist or a really great pianist. But we haven't left a really great follower of Christ. So we are so much more concerned about the person and where their walk is with God and their character and shaping that because they can then infect their world, their workspace, their family life, not just worship on a Sunday. And worship is so much more than that. So I'm going to be speaking about worship being more than just a song, more than just a feeling, more than just a Sunday, and more than just about you. Um, a couple nights ago, I don't know about you guys, but autumn definitely has not come. In 35 degree temperature that we are having. It's quite crazy. I spoke to Brad just now and he said a Facebook thing popped up on his feed yesterday. They were around a, a fire in jackets this time last year. So it just tells us that autumn is not yet. But um, yeah, so a couple of nights ago, Kelly and I were falling asleep. And I don't know if you guys have been in this situation. It affects me greatly. You're about to sleep in your bed, comfortable, been a hard day, covers over and as you like just about to get to that perfect sleep point where like I'm I'm hitting my dreams, you hear that 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 like very known noise. And I don't know if you guys do this, but I definitely can't sleep with that. So the covers are off, the lights is on, and you're just looking for the smallest insect you've ever seen in your life, trying to find this thing to kill it. And you are fluffing pillows, lifting up bed sheets hitting your windows and your curtains, and then you'd stand and look. And you're like, I'm going to kill this thing because I can't go to sleep with it buzzing past my ear. I know it's a very, maybe not such a great analogy to use with God, but I would like today to stir something inside of you when it comes to the voice of God and worship in our midst, that we don't miss out on an opportunity and we don't lie in bed and go, ah, it'll go away. But when we hear the voice of God, when we hear the noise, we are as quick as we are with the mosquito to get up, 
get up, switch off the light, and search and look and be so intent on looking for where God is and what he's wanting to do. Because if we can do that for a mosquito, how much more will it benefit us to do that with God? And I'm talking about just moments, moments where in your workspace you hear the voice of God. Don't silence it. Stop. Wait. Look. Listen. Let him speak. Because it'll be so much better if you listen to his voice and do it his way than just trying to do it our way. So that would really be my hope today, is just to encourage you guys with that. Um, I'm going to be reading from the book of Exodus, Exodus 3, with our mate Moses. He's a great guy. So background before we get onto this is uh, Moses, obviously, uh, I think it's quite awesome The if you guys can go and read it as well, but the story of Moses, the thing that I find so incredible, just side bits that really blew my mind, was it was during a time when Moses was born, it was during a time where the king was trying to kill all of the sons of the Israelites, because they were growing mighty and powerful. And what happens is Moses' mother has him, sees he's beautiful, hides him away in the basket, I'm sure most of you know the Sunday school story, hide him in a basket, put him in the river, and he goes down. The interesting thing for me is the, the king's daughter finds him, picks him up, looks after him. Moses' sister was following him and says to the king's daughter, oh, why don't I fetch an Israelite nurse to nurse him to health? She goes and fetches the mother. The mother comes to look after Moses. And I sat looking at this, and I was like, God, you're just so sneaky and incredible because here you have a mother that is now looking after her son who should be dead and being paid to look after the son who should be dead by the people who are trying to kill the son. And I was like, wow, God, that is ridiculous. <laughs> like, that just, just a side note. It blew my mind. But yeah, so Moses eventually grows up in uh, Pharaoh's house or Pharaoh's castle, and he sees his Israelite um, brothers and sisters pretty much being worked hard. And um, he sees an Egyptian beating one of the guys, kills the Egyptian, then he goes on the run. And this is where we pick up Moses. He's gone on the run. He's um, gone into, uh, I think it's Jethro. He's gone into his house and um, living with him, got a wife, one of Jethro's daughters. And we pick up in verse 3, Moses and the burning bush. Chapter 3 from verse 1 says, Now Moses was, attend- was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses had hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. 
So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. So, here we have Moses in the burning bush encounter. He has an incredible encounter with a living God who presents himself to Moses. And I like to see this encounter as an act of worship. Because for me, worship is not just, cool, we come on a Sunday, keys play, guitar plays, someone sings, but worship is a lifestyle. Um, in Romans 12 verse 1, it actually says that we need to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, which is a good and pleasing act of worship to God. So it talks about offering our bodies, not just our mouths, not just our hands, but our bodies. It's everything you do, everything you are, everything you say, everything you portray is an act of worship to God. It's not just a Sunday. So that means when you work, you're worshiping God. When you feed your baby, you're worshiping God. When you have dinner with your family in the evening, you are worshiping God. If we really look at that, that means every opportunity that we get is an opportunity to worship God, an opportunity to put God at the center of what we do. So Moses has this encounter with God. And the first thing I want to look at is, obviously mention it a bit now, but worship is more than just a song. Um, I don't know if you guys have, I know there is a Bible like this, so apart from that Bible. In your Bible, I don't know if you hear, like, Moses encounters the burning bush, and there was the synth playing in the background something, like, how great is our God, while Moses entered in to this encounter with God. Like, I don't know if that's in your Bible, but it's definitely not in mine. So I think about that. I'm like, actually, we've made so much more about, like, singing than we actually have about worship. And I think we've we've done this thing where, as humans and as Christians, we've linked worship to songs. And like, that's not right. Because if we think about it, um, someone, I saw a picture the other day and someone was showing me all these hands raised in a picture. And I was like, oh, wow. Automatic instinct. It must have been an awesome worship session. It was actually Eminem concert. And it's like, cool, if we had to narrow it down to that, there's no difference. So either worship is something that we've made it or worship is something else that God intends it to be. And I look at it and I go, like, we can't just minimize worship to songs and raising hands. It's so much more. It's more than a song. It's more than just what we make it. Um, like I said, Romans 12, your whole body, that means when you work, play, with your kids, eating at home, whatever, it's an act of worship. Uh, years ago, I worked at a company. I'll, I'll, I'm going to tell some stories as well. I hope you guys are okay with that. I really just enjoy telling stories of what God does because it's real. Um, there's power in testimonies. Um, years ago, I worked at a promotions company, and we worked for like companies like Standard Bank, um, Derivco, Unilever, and we do like soccer shirts, branding, all that kind of stuff. Um, thankfully, it was a Christian company, and the lady I worked with, we'd always get there in the morning. We'd sit down and do a devotional, and the one day I was doing the devotional, and I said to them, you know, um, it's interesting. It's interesting because we need to be so 
so in tune with God and have such an encounter with God in our everyday lives that if God says to me today, I need to go to the printer that I'm going to go see and I need to tell him that Jesus loves him, then I need to go to the printer today and tell him that Jesus loves him. And at that moment, as I said that, God's like, okay. And I'm pretty sure you've all been there. You're like, no, I was just saying that, God. I wasn't like, I wasn't meaning I'm actually going to go to the printer and tell him he loved him. It's just a statement. But God really gripped my heart with it and said, well, what are you going to do about it? And um, I was amped. And I told my, my boss and my colleague, and I was like, okay, cool. Well, God just told me I need to do this. And they're like, that's awesome. And they were amped. I was amped. And you know, when you're with a bunch of Christians, you get excited. When you're not with a bunch of Christians, it starts mellowing down a bit. And you're like, oof, now I have to tell this guy that Jesus loves him. I'm going to be a freak. And I'm driving to the printer, and God's going, tell him, tell him, tell him. And I'm like, cool. And I go, and I tell this guy, here's all the stuff. This is what we need to do. Here's the shirts, blah, blah, Cool, cheers. And I'm like, about to leave, hand on the door, and God stops me and goes, what are you doing? I'm like, leaving. That's what I'm doing. And God's like, no, what are you doing? I was like, okay. And I turned around, and I just turned and said to this guy, look, might sound strange. Um, I believe in God. I believe he speaks to me. And I just really feel that he's telling you. And as I opened my mouth, more than just Jesus loves him came out. I started telling him Jesus loves you and a whole bunch of other stuff that came out with it. Just words that I had for him, like just God's heart towards us. And he stood there with the wide eyes. And I was like, cool. I'm going to go now. <laughs> Bit awkward. And he stopped me. He said, no, 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 wait. Come look, come look. And I was like, okay, cool. And I go to his computer and he opens up his emails and he says, this is the email that I just sent my pastor. This is everything that you just said to me. This is what I'm going through. My wife has been sick. I don't know what to do. And everything that you just said to me has just directed me exactly where God's told me I need to go. And that encouraged me more than it encouraged him. I sat there going like, oh, God, you're so good. And that for me made it, that made it so much stronger that worship is more than just a song. Because right there in that moment, speaking to that guy, encountering God in a printing press, worship. And God heard that. I didn't have to wait for Sunday. I didn't have to wait for a song, the right chord to be sung, the right leader to be on worship. Right there. So worship is more than a song. Worship is more than just a feeling. So we have our mate Moses. I love it. You guys should really go read this. Moses, if, if, if I was God, thankfully I'm not, but if I was, I wouldn't have chosen Moses. He tried so hard to get out of it. He's like, yeah, but, but what if they don't like me? And I go there and they don't believe me. And God's like, no, 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 but you're going in my name. I'm sending you. And he's like, yeah, cool. But like, I really can't speak well. And I'm really terrible at doing that kind of stuff. It's like, you've got your brother Aaron. He can speak for you. Yeah, that, okay, cool. But is there anyone else that you can? He actually even says in Moses in um, chapter 4, verse 13, he says, surely there's someone else that you can send. So Moses didn't want that. He didn't feel like it. He didn't feel like doing what God encountered him to do. And I think about if you if you read just before um, chapter 3, it actually says that Moses was content to live in the land. So he was content. He was happy. He didn't need anything. It's not like he was going out looking, going, cool, today I'm going to look out for that burning bush. 
so that um, God can send me to Pharaoh to set his people free. He wasn't looking for that. He was happy with where he was, happy with his wife, happy with the flock, happy. But still, Jesus encountered him, even though he didn't feel like it. Um, when I was leading the youth, uh, Kelly and I were leading youth in Durban a couple of years ago. I might have shared this with some of you guys, but uh, the once during worship, there's a, a moment I didn't feel like doing something, but obviously God has different plans, and he's spectacular at that. And um, the worship was going on, and it just felt like it was going nowhere. Like, I looked behind me. There was a, a room of about, I don't know, 70 to 100 kids, and I'm like, Lord, you've got to do something because this is really falling flat. And the worship leader's looking at me like, I don't know if you guys have ever been in that situation, but I, I really feel for the guys that are leading the meetings because when the worship leader looks at you with that look, you're like, I don't know what to do either. <laughs> like, <laughs> but to you, keep singing. <laughs> but like the worship leader's looking at me like, yes. I'm like, oh, Lord. And there was one of our worship leaders at that point, I mean, one of our youth leaders at that point. He was part of a screamo band. I won't try and demonstrate what a screamer band is. Kelly and I do like it, but it's those guys that like scream, literally. Like you don't understand what they're saying in their music. It's really great. I wouldn't advise everyone to go listen to it, but I enjoy some of it. But one of our youth leaders was part of a screamer band. And all of a sudden his name pops in my head. And it's like, tell Andrew to scream. And I'm like, And I carried on worshiping, and I, I really didn't feel like it. I'm like, I'm not going to do that, Lord. This is crazy. So I just carried on, and uh, Kitty was standing further down that way for a bit. She walks up to me, taps me on the shoulder, and she goes, I really feel like Andrew should scream. And I'm like, no. And I'm just like, no, Lord. <laughs> You're just obviously joking right now, so that's not going to happen. I can't tell this guy to scream. With a bunch of youth, they're going to go home and be like, our youth is satanic. So I was like, no, Lord, let's not do that. We'll just keep worshiping you. I didn't even know. From the back of the hall, I get this tap on the shoulder of someone who walked to the front. I turn around, and there's Andrew. And he's like, yeah, I really feel like I need to scream. I'm like, okay, Lord. So I got up and I began to explain to the youth and I said, guys, this is just another form of worship. This is what this guy believes in. There are Christian bands like this. Don't feel afraid. There's just something that God's going to do in this moment. Just be open to receive. And uh, uh, like heavy metal screamer guys have this like power stance walk. It's kind of like something like this. So it's very weird. And Andrew started doing this up and down. And I was like, oh, Lord, what have I done? And you kind of get that moment where you just like close your eyes and worship so you don't see what's happening and just like, thank you, Jesus. And he was walking up and down, going for it. Next thing, he started screaming. And as he started screaming, once I got over my fear, I turned around and there was every single kid on their knees crying, just encountering the presence of God. And it was a moment I didn't feel like it. I didn't feel like doing that, but God but God. Um, we had a similar similar instance like that when we went to a, we had a mission trip in Kids Beach, toughest mission trip ever. We probably had about we normally take about fifteen kids that we went with us, and literally this trip, I think twelve of them injured their legs, and we're like, Lord, what are we going to do here? Sprained, bruised, cut feet, and Kelly and I just felt there's something here, there's something happening, and we went and we prayed for them and we washed their feet and. 
just praying God's protection over them. And uh, we had a devotional that morning, and one of the guys in the village phoned and said, listen, his daughter plays water polo. Uh, her knees hurt. She goes for cortisone injections. Um, she can't walk. Uh, she came back from the cortisone injection. She's on her bed. She's in pain. So we don't know what to do. Can we bring her? Can you guys pray for her? Everything inside of me wanted to go, no. Because <laughs> we were so beaten, so broken. We felt so useless. that so We were like, oh, we can't do this. But God. And uh, the guy brought his daughter in. He pretty much carried her in, put her on a chair. And as a youth, it was such an awesome thing to see these guys broken, hurting, in such pain, praying for this girl. And um, crying out for healing. And we shouted over her, pain, go, pain, go. And eventually we said, cool, well, how's it feeling? And she goes, all the pain's left her left leg. I said, awesome. Carried on praying, carried on pressing in. Eventually we said, okay, cool, well, how's it going? She said, no, it's still a bit sore. And we're like, cool, left it, carried on with our devotions. And uh, we all got up to, to go with our activities for the day. And she just burst into tears. I'm just like, what's going on? She said, both legs completely pain-free completely healed. She was running around with us the whole day. And I just thought about this verse and it hit me, so, or this point, and it hit me so much that worship is more than a feeling. I know that Gabe says this often. He says there's two times when you should worship, when you feel like it and when you don't. And worship is so much more than a feeling. If we come here on a Sunday and think we're going to get a good feel out of it, I'm just going to try and smash that for you right now. You might not. Because it's not about a feeling that you're going to get, but it's about God. And it's about worshiping him. In every instance when Moses says, but I don't, but I don't, but I don't, God said, but I am. So it's not about us, it's about him. And worshiping him. And getting past our feelings, our emotions, and going, God, you're so much bigger, you're so much greater than my feeling. You are so much greater than me feeling not to or feeling to because you are king. Because you are the great I am. That's more than a feeling. I wrote down here, I said, uh, when we stop worrying about whether we feel like it or not and concern ourselves with who he is, it moves from feeling to passion. Because now we no longer just come to church because we have a feeling, but we come to church because we are passionate about God. And we worship because we are passionate about him. And we don't go just during the week and go, ah, maybe I feel like telling my work colleagues about God today, but we go, I'm passionate about getting them into the kingdom of God, so I will tell them, and I will get an encounter with God. You guys okay? Good. Shaking. The third point is worship is more than just a Sunday. Um, if, if we think that we are here to worship God on just a Sunday, then I don't know. But... um. As I said, I'm, I'm an emotional guy, and sometimes I try and hide those emotions, and then sometimes during the week, it just comes. I can't do anything about it. And I think that's God's way of going, well, tough, because now when you're going to be with people and I have something to say, you're going to have to do it, because they're obviously going to ask, why are you crying? And I'm like, oh, well, let's talk about Jesus. <laughs> and it's just like, we need to make it more than just today. Um I don't know how many of you guys know about the story about Jericho, the walls of Jericho. It's in Joshua. And um, the interesting thing, I went to go read it while I was preparing. The interesting thing is in Sunday school, I was taught for six days they walked around the walls of Jericho on, in silence. And the seventh day, they walked around shouting and praising God. 
I read it again. It actually says for six days, there were seven priests with seven trumpets that walked around blowing those trumpets. And on the seventh day, they let out a cry. And I thought about that when it comes to us with worship. We don't come on a Sunday to worship so that we can get through the week ahead. We come on a Sunday to worship because God is so good from the past week. We are worshiping out of a place of victory because we've worshiped in the week. That's what we come to do. It's not about just a Sunday worship. I'm coming and I'm going to worship God and I'm going to have my battery refilled and get into the rest of the week and go, oh, God, you're so good. But we worship here because God is good. And he has been good for the past week. And we've got to push into that. We've got to encounter him daily so that our Sunday encounter is a group of people that have encountered God coming to encounter the king. And we can worship. And I would love it. Like, I'm not saying that we need to do this, but I would love it if we actually had, during our worship time, more testimonies. People coming up and sharing what God has done during the week. Because then we definitely know our eyes are fixed on what God is doing and what He has done. And it's all about Him. Because we've already worshipped Him during the week. So it's more than just a Sunday. And worship is more, the last point is, is it's more than just about me. Uh, Moses wanted to make it all about him. Um, I can't. Terrible speaker, terrible this, terrible that. God just came saying, it's about me. It's actually not about you. God came to Moses first, not because he wanted to go, oh, Moses, let's make your name famous and let's see how it's going to go. But God went, I've heard the call of my people. So you go to uh, to Egypt to free my people to worship me. It's all about God. Had nothing to do with Moses. Yes, there's a side effect. Yes, Moses got used mightily and God spoke to him and had such encounters with Moses. But it was all about God. God is a jealous God. He wants our praise. He wants our worship because it's all about him. The plus is we get to experience a God of peace, hope, love, faith when we worship him. And we get to encounter that and we walk away full of hope, full of peace, full of faith because he is good and he is great. I'm going to close that. Um, sure. I thought long and hard about preaching about this. I'm just going to speak a bit of my heart for a bit, if that's okay. Um, I thought long and hard about this, and I'm very much passionate about worship. And I think sometimes we get so passionate about worship, we get frustrated when these people in the congregation, I'm just being real with you guys from a leader's perspective, and we're like worshiping our heart out, and everyone's like, and you're kind of like, okay. So just carry on pushing through. And I thought about that and I was like, oh, maybe I should stir us up. And then I realized actually it's not about stirring us up, but it's giving us the reason why we worship. So that we can worship a God who is so good, who is so great. And when that becomes the reason that we come on a Sunday to worship him, I don't need to encourage anything because he's doing it all. The band doesn't need to be great. The worship doesn't need to be great. I can play the absolute wrong chords, but our eyes are fixed on him. And it becomes all about him. And his worship and his praise that he deserves. And it doesn't become about us. I've, I've said this to so many guys. I think the problem is that we, we, we feel so bad in our sin because we are constantly focusing in on our sin. But if we focus on Christ and his righteousness, we no longer see our sin. But we see his righteousness, his holiness, his purity. 
And when we leave after worshipping a God that is so pure, so holy, guess what? All of a sudden we leave feeling pure, holy, righteous, who he's called us to be. And I think in those moments that we encounter God, um, it's interesting because in Exodus, it actually says that Moses saw the burning bush. Uh, I had to read that a couple times, but it says he saw. He looked and he saw the burning bush. He saw that the bush was burning, but it was not being consumed by fire. Then it says something interesting straight off that it says, Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this sight. So I thought about that for a while. I was like, so he saw it. But then he said, I'm going to turn aside and see. And that made something relevant to me is that actually we can go along our lives doing our own thing. And we can see so many stuff that God's doing in the peripherals. But unless we turn aside and see what he is doing and focus and set our gaze on him, we're going to miss out what he's calling us to. Because it was only after Moses turned aside, looked at the burning bush, God said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am, God. So we need to fix our eyes on him. We need to turn aside and go, Lord, we are so set on you. No matter what happens, like, I wish, um, I'm just cheering my heart here, but I wish, like, this morning was quite interesting coming into this um, hall. There were tables and chairs everywhere, um, for those that don't know. And everything inside is like, oh, we have to now, like, move all these tables out for church. And, like, this is great. But if it is just for one encounter with the King of Kings, it is so worth it. Because it's not about how many chairs we roll out here. It's not about how many chairs we have to unpack and pack up. It's all about the King of Kings. It's all about taking my gaze and my focus off of the things that I'm doing and stop looking at the peripherals of God and going, God, I'm sick and tired of looking at what other people are doing, looking at what's happening on the side and you encountering other people. It's time for me to turn aside and see the sights of the King of Kings so that he can impact my life and I can worship him. There's things that are hard. There's things that are tough in our lives and they can set our focus off of God. It's up to us to turn aside, look at him. You're the only one that can do it. We can't force you. Gabe can't force you. Mark can't force you. It is you and you alone having an encounter with God that turns aside and looks at the side of the burning bush of Jesus, the glorious king who wants to encounter you. That's what it's about. Because if you look time and time again, when Moses encountered God, his life was different. He came down a mountain and the Israelites covered their faces because they couldn't understand the glory that was on him. Imagine if we walked out of this place and encountered our families, our friends, our work colleagues, and the glory of God was on our lives. How would that impact them? How would that change them? Because we took a choice and a decision and we went, I'm going to turn aside. I'm going to look at my king and I'm going to work from that. I think Moses was used because even though he time and time again said, I am this, I am that, I can't do, I can't do. God said, I am, and he decided to turn aside and go, God, okay. It speaks of surrender. It speaks of Moses going, okay, I've, I've given, like, I don't know why I'm feeling this right now, but I really feel like there's even people here that maybe there's so many things you disqualify yourself for. And you go time and time again, you go, God, I'm not good enough. God, I've done this. I don't deserve your love. I don't deserve your hope. I don't deserve what you've given me. I don't deserve this community that I've come from. And it's time to surrender. It's time to stop disqualifying yourself. Set your gaze upon Jesus and let him qualify you. Because it's all about him. It's all about his glory. 
we sang that song earlier, and I said to the worship team, it's just something that I really felt in that song, that pursue song. Of just pursuing Christ with everything we have to encounter Him. What does it look like practically? And um, I'd love to end with this, but practically for me, I think that it looks like, let's not wait until Sunday to have the next encounter with God. Let's encounter Him during the week. Let's worship Him during the week. Stop, pause, encounter Take your eyes off of the things that you are setting your eyes on. Set your eyes aside to him. Encounter him. And then work from that. Go into that space. Um, a silly silly example, but years ago when I was still in high school, um, my youth pastor was one of the teachers and we were running a race. And a, one of my Catholic friends actually said to me, did you ever pray before a race? You know, us goody two-shoes Christians, I was like, what? Who prays before a race? can't ask God to bless me in a race. That's a bit unfair. And he was like, I pray all the time before a race. And I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. And in that moment, as I got down on the starting block, I was like, Lord, sure, forgive me, actually. Like, I need to bring glory to your name in everything that I do. If this is to be a living sacrifice, it's an act of worship, that means my running is an act of worship. And I need to bring glory to you. So, Lord, help me in this race to bring glory to you. And I ran. My youth pastor actually came up afterwards and he said to me, Lee, what happened? And I was like, what do you mean what happened? He said, that is the fastest I've ever seen you run. And I was like, are you joking? He said, no, I'm not joking. He said, I've never seen you run that fast. What happened? And I said, I prayed. And he said, really? And I prayed. And that speaks volumes to me about encountering God during our week and working from that rather than our own strength. Imagine what you would accomplish working in his strength, in his hope, in his faith, in his everything that he supplies to you if you just encounter him during the week and then continue your work from that. That, I think, is what we need to focus on. Take your gaze off that, focus on him. Just go, Christ, we are here. Is that good?